Give yourselves a hand. You got out of bed this morning. Come on, you deserve better than that. You deserve, come on, you deserve better than that. Give yourselves a hand. I know it was sunny and you don't feel like you deserved it this morning because it's sunny and it's nice and so much easier to get out of bed. But let me tell you, it's, uh, it's great to get out of bed. It's tough sometimes. And uh, it's the end of April vacation for the kids. And so uh, next week, some of you guys, <laughs> I didn't get to see my kids this week. My, my wife and I were, uh, were at a conference in Alabama, and so uh, we, we missed out on all but three days. Of, see, that's what you need to do next year. You just need mom and dad need to plan to get away and send the, send the kids to grand, grand, grandma's house. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, it, was, it was a blast. My wife and I got away. I uh, got to Birmingham, Alabama, so if I accidentally say y'all today, uh, that's why. I'm not going crazy, but people in the South are so nice, you just can't help but to start talking like them a little bit, and um, and then you get to know, anyway, I'm not going to go there, um, but uh, we, we had a great time, uh, went to a conference for the organization that helped us start the church called ARC, uh, it stands for the Association of Related Churches, they helped us get off the ground, and uh, we, uh, we had an enjoyable time because it was 80 degrees, although what's great about that is we were inside all day. So, uh, but when we got to go outside, there were, um, there were probably 5,000 people there, four or 5,000 people in this church, and um, it, it was a big church, but um, my wife is like, Adam, I'm about to hyperventilate. We need to go outside like right now because if I see one more person, I'm going to punch them in the face. So we went outside, <laughs> and uh, it was it was a good time. It was able it, it was it was refreshing yet exhausting. You ever been there? Uh, it was it was a really good time. Uh, so this morning we are in week three of a series called the Counselor, and in it we're ta- we're talking about four questions out of the one hundred plus questions that Jesus asked as he walked the face of the earth. In the, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible, um, Jesus asked over 100 questions. And we're all thankful that we're not asking all 100 questions, right? We're only asking four of them. And today, we're going to look at the question, do you want to get well? And uh, the last two weeks, the first week, we talked about um, in a storm, when we experience storms of life, we ask the question, why are you so afraid? Uh, last week, we talked about uh, the question, when you need a miracle, do you believe I can do this? Today, we're asking the question, when we need healing, do you want to get well? And then next week, I'm excited about next week, uh, because we all face spiritual doubt in our life. And uh, at some point or another, we face spiritual doubt in our lives. And we're asking the question next week, why do you doubt? Why do you doubt? So, um, before I, I jump into the scripture this morning, um, we've been recently, we've recently been given uh, some Bibles. And um, when those Bibles were given to us, I just pledged to the church that we would just give them away. And so um, these Bibles are for you. Uh, if you do not have a Bible at home or you do not have a Bible with you, um, if, you for, if you took one of these Bibles last week and you forgot to bring it back this week, Take another one, 
Like, seriously, we just want to give them away. So all it costs you is is a little bit of no shame. There's no shame in raising your hand. So just raise your hand, and, and we would love to give you a Bible today. So if you, if you didn't have one, if you don't have one, just raise your hand. We've got some people that are giving those um, to you. And if you want to just use one for the day and then give it back to us, you're welcome to do that as well. So uh, just raise your hand. We're not going to um, judge you if you take them home. Uh, we, we actually we want you to take them home. But if you want to give them back to us, you're welcome to do that. So um, I don't want anyone to feel left uh, without feeling like you don't have something to hold. Sometimes it just happens to, it just helps to have something to hold. I, I recently heard that your brain retains more when it's actually on paper, uh, more so than on a screen, which is where a lot of us do our reading, which maybe that explains a lot. Just but um, the, the verses will be on the screen, uh, so you can follow along. But if you just want something to hold, we're going to be in, in John chapter 5. So um, in your Bible, there's, the, the, the Bible is divided up into two sections. One is called the New Testament. That's the beginning section of the Bible. And then the back section is called the, the Old Testament. If you open it up to the straight, straight middle, you'll probably be around the book of Psalms. Uh, and you, some of you are opening it to the middle, and you're like, how did he do that? been doing this for a while. And so you open it up, and you're in the book of Psalms, and then you got Proverbs, and then you go go on to the the second part of the Bible, and then you got Matthew is the beginning of the second part, Mark, and then Luke, and then the book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you get to the book of Acts, then go the other way and get to the book of John. So I, I just want to make sure that I don't assume that any of you know uh, where we're going to, where each book of the Bible is. Um, or if you're like me, you're like, hey, knucklehead, you don't have to explain it. There's a table of contents in the front of the book. I can find it. If I had the page number, I would give it to you. But John chapter 5. We're going to look at a story this morning that um, is about a man that's been sick for 38 years. And um, 38 years is a long time. I know it's a long time because ironically, Tuesday I celebrate my 38th birthday. Ironically. You don't have to clap. Don't clap for that. But basically I know 38 years is a long time because it's as long as I've been alive. And I can't imagine being sick. For 38 years, for my entire life. And uh, that's what this man is. He's sick for 38 years. And we're going to read his story and how Jesus plays into that. But before we do, let me, let me pray. Can I do that? God, thank you so much for uh, your love for us. Thank you, God, that when you look at each one of us, Lord, you know our name, your word says. Lord, your word says that you know the numbers of the hairs on our head. That's how much you know about us. And God, what's amazing about that is that I know everything about me as well. And there are some deep, dark things about me that I don't like. And if I know those things about me and you know everything about me, then God, you know the deepest, darkest secrets that I have. 
and yet you still loved me. So God, this morning I pray that for those people that are here this morning and they just feel like like they're going through a hard time. Lord, I, I pray that you would just whisper to them that you love them today. That you would wrap your loving arms around them in the form of the refuge cake. That you would speak to them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this morning, I want, first of all, I say this every, I've, I've started to say this more and more. I want you to know this, like, our church is an, it's an interactive experience. We want you to interact. We want you to laugh. We want you to cry. We want you to do both at the same time. We want you to do all of that. Like, we want you to interact. We want you to know that um, it's okay to laugh. It's okay to cry. It's okay to do anything except for boo. Um, unless it's boo, that was really bad. Sometimes I think of a joke in my mind, and it, like, I say it before I think of it in my mind. And it comes out really flat. And uh, I, I apologize for that. Um, but this morning, I want you to, to listen to this message uh, through the, the context of your headaches. Now, headaches, not literal headaches. Maybe for some of you, it might be a little headache that you're, that you're thinking about. But think about it. In terms of the, just the, the pains and the, the places that you don't want me to go this morning, because those are the places that I'm going, whether you like it or not. We're going to go to those places that you don't want anyone to go to this morning. And I, I tell you that to begin, not to lose you. I don't want to lose you. I want you right here with me all day this morning. But I tell you that because I believe that's the exact place that God wants me to go today. He wants me to go to the places that you don't want anyone else there. In fact, you don't even want anyone else to know about those places. That's where we're going today. And it's not because I want to, because believe me, if I could get away from it, I would. But it's because I believe God wants me to go there for your growth, for your growing as a person, for you're growing as a follower of Jesus if you are, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, to get you there. That's why we exist. We exist to tell people about Jesus and his love for them. Because he loves you so much that he wants the best version of you. And sometimes it requires to go to deep, dark places that we don't want anyone else to go. And that's where he wants us to go today. So, John chapter 5, verse 1, we're going to read... Verse 1, it says, after Jesus returned to Jerusalem, I'm re reading in the New Living Translation, which is really funny because the translations that we just gave you were the New International Version. Sorry about that. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was a pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Now, time out. Who puts a pool by a sheep gate? Right? Like, like, not any of you that have a pool in your backyard are crazy because you live in Maine, number one. 
Number two, or either that, or you really enjoy it when it's when it's nice outside and you like the the best of it, which that's where I'm at. But you're not going to put your pool in your cow pasture, right? You're gonna you're gonna put it away from that. So picture with me this pool. Now, don't picture an in-ground pool or an above-ground pool. Picture a pond. Because this is more of a natural body of water that, that, that this is. It's not necessarily a, um, it's not a, a, a pool with chlorine in it like we have or with salt water, these things. It's a natural body of water. And so verse 3 says, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. So it's, it's good that the Bible calls them porches because we know they're not just laying in sheep dung and laying with the sheep. They're, they're, they're on porches and they're laying around this natural body of water. Verse 4, in some translations, is actually left out. And I don't know why they leave it out. But verse 4 says, For an angel of the Lord came from time to time and stirred up the water. And the first person to step in after the water was stirred was healed of whatever disease they had. So these people are laying around the water waiting for this bubble to show up in this water, waiting for a ripple, indicating that an angel of the Lord had stirred it so that they could jump in the water and be healed. That's exactly what's happening. Verse 5. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. I'm old. 38 years. Verse 6. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Now, this question seems like an insult. Do you want to get well? The guy is laying there with, next to sheep in a pond waiting to see a ripple so that he could get into the water and be healed. Jesus, Captain Obvious, yes, he wants to get well. He's there. Verse 7, I can't, sir, the sick man said. For I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always get in, always gets in there before me or ahead of me. Verse 8. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and he began walking. Just one moment with Jesus changed everything for this man. One moment. 38 years gone. And all it took was a moment with Jesus. This morning, I believe that all it takes is a moment with Jesus for everything to turn around. So maybe some of you came in this morning carrying those burdens with issues, with headaches, 
with things that you do not know the answer to. But I want you to know this morning that all it takes is a moment with Jesus. And hopefully you find that moment today. So as we look at this story, I want to start out by giving us three things that we see in this story that we can learn from. Number one, and, and it's not just that we can learn from, but it's that we can learn from problems that persist in our lives. When problems persist in our lives, number one, we oftentimes become more discouraged. So, number one is the more discouraged we become, the longer our problems persist. Number two is the more excuses we make. And number three, the more we learn to compensate. We're going to unpack those in just a moment. Starting with number one, the more discouraged we become. The longer a problem persists, the more discouraged we, com- we become. Can you imagine how discouraged this man must have been for 38 years? That's a long time. In fact, there's not many illnesses that you can be born. I don't know if he was born with this illness. The Bible doesn't say how old he is. It doesn't, we don't just assume that he's 38 years old. But I can't imagine, like there aren't many illnesses that you can be born with that last, that, you, that you're still alive after 38 years. 38 years is a, is a long time to be sick. And of course he's discouraged. Have you ever had that, that problem that's just nagging? Like, like it's, maybe, it's not, maybe it's not a big deal to you, or maybe it's, it's become a less of a big deal to you, but it's just a problem that annoys you. I've got this, this, this problem with my arm. So I'll, I'll go ahead and raise, raise up my sleeve. So um, about high school, I, I discovered that I have these, these veins in my arm that are, they're, they're just, they're, they're varicose veins is what they are. And they pop out, especially if I make a fist. And if I'm really hydrated, they really pop out. And, and they're just annoying because they're ugly. And... I'll, like, so much so that sometimes I don't like wearing short sleeves because people look at me with short sleeves and they say, Adam, did you burn your arm? No, I didn't burn my arm. I have ugly veins. Like, what, what, do, you, what do I say? And, and so it's not, they don't cause any pain. They don't hurt. But they're just annoying. And I know that there are issues in your life that are just annoying. Hopefully they don't have names, right? <laughs> but maybe they do. <laughs> that was funny. I, I, like, I didn't even plan to say that. But we all have these issues that just nag us. I, another one that I've got, I've got a lot. Not to, uh, actually last year, about this same time, I noticed that I was, my my arms were just tingling. They were, they were, they were tingling. Um, and, then, and then I noticed one day I got home from church on a Sunday and my legs were tingling. I was losing feeling in my arms and my legs. And I was like, man, this isn't good. <laughs> I need to go see the doctor about that one. I've started to tolerate this one, the, 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 the varicose veins in my arm. 
because really it's like, it's, again, it doesn't hurt. But the tingling, I needed to do something about. And so um, I actually uh, found a, a, a doctor that's, a chiropractor that's helping me uh, get adjusted and, and try to line up my neck because the issue is in my neck and it's causing the tingling. But it's just annoying. I know you're all there. Think about that as we continue. Because what happens is we become so discouraged with them, we just say, you know what, that's enough. I've had enough. I'm just going to go on with my life. I'm just going to accept that. The second thing that we see is we begin to make more excuses. The more excuses we make, the longer an issue persists. Sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool. 38 years and that's all you got, bro? That you have no one to put you in the pool? You've been sick for 38 years. Now, something came to my attention as I was studying this passage, and that is we don't know what the illness is. It's just the Bible just says he was ill. It doesn't say that he was lame. We assume that he's lame because he's saying that I have no one to pick me up and put me in. But 38 years, that's all he's got? That there's no one there to put him in the pool? Like, dude, do the work. Like, inch, like just, just scoot yourself. Do it, like, be on the, on the edge, sitting there, and as soon as you see it, just roll over. Like, that's the only excuse that he has. But guys, girls, ladies and gentlemen, I know that many of you have made similar excuses about why you can't go to church or about why you can't read your Bible or about why you can't go to the gym. I've been there. Why you can't eat better. Why you can't stop smoking. Why you can't stop drinking. We have all kinds of excuses. Why you can't stop looking at pornography? All diets start when? Tomorrow. Right? We make excuses all the time. We're professional excuse makers. Stop buying the cigarettes. Stop going to Patman's. Walk into an AA meeting. We've got plenty of people here in our church that go to AA meetings. They would love to take you with them. I, like, I'm serious. If you struggle with, with alcoholism, if you're an alcoholic, like we have got people that would love to help you. Love to help you. When we stop making excuses and we do our part, that's when God shows up and does the rest. But remember, we, we talked about a couple of weeks ago about how faith and action go together. They go together. Faith doesn't require action. Faith requires faith, requires belief. But you have to put things together. And so today's message, we're talking about stop making excuses and do it. 
do you want to get well, Jesus asked this man. And so the third thing that we see from this story is the longer a problem persists, the more you learn to compensate. The more you learn to compensate for that problem, the more you become um, used to it, the more you t- like lend to it. The word compensate simply means uh, to make up for, to make up for. You begin to make up for the problem, for the gap that you have in your life, the gap that you see in your life, the desire that you have, you begin to make up for it. It was about 15, 18 years ago, uh, my family, my, my extended family, learned that my uncle uh, was an alcoholic. No one knew my uncle was an alcoholic because what he started to do was he started to function in his alcoholism. He started to drink so much that he actually needed the alcohol in order to function, in order to think. And I think what happens with these issues in our lives is we begin to function in them. Maybe you're functioning with your addiction to pornography. Maybe you're functioning with your habit of spending money where you shouldn't. And you're just charging everything and getting in more and more and more debt. Maybe you're functioning in an abusive relationship because it's all that you know. So you're not telling anyone, hey, I'm, I'm being abused here. I'm here to tell you this morning that you do not have to function in your issues. You can be well. You do not have to function in them. You cannot change what you're willing to tolerate. Let me say that again. You cannot change that which you are willing to tolerate. If you want, if you if you're looking at your life and you're saying, man, you know what, I just I wish I wasn't overweight. But you continue to tolerate that. And you continue to tolerate that. And you continue to tolerate. You're never gonna change as long as you tolerate it. And so Jesus asked this man this question. Do you want to get well? And again, we've said that it was obvious. It's obvious that Jesus wants to get, or that that this man wants to get well. But I believe that Jesus asked the question for a simple reason. Because Jesus understood that he could not help someone that just needed help. He could only help someone that wanted help. Let me say that again. Jesus cannot help you just because you have a need. You have to take that need and you have to turn it into a desire. And you have to want to be helped. Jesus understood that. And so he asked him the question, do you want to get well? You know what I believe one of the the biggest enemies of of, of, of faith is? It's not fear. One of the biggest enemies of faith is familiarity, being familiar, getting used to what you're going through, 
getting used to the sin that you're doing in your life. Getting used to living life without Jesus. Some of you, the most difficult thing for you to do at, at church is just, just to walk through the doors because you didn't grow up going to church. You're familiar with not going to church. You're familiar with not having Jesus in your life. And so now that you're, you're introduced to Jesus and you, you understand that he wants to make your life better, now all of a sudden you have to introduce yourself to all of these things about Jesus. And what happens when we become familiar with things is we get stuck. I want you to know today you don't have to be stuck. You can be well. So familiarity is the enemy of faith. You can't help someone that just needs help. You have, they have to want it. And so what happens is our healing will not begin until our desire to get well is bigger than our disability. We will not get well until our desire becomes greater than our disability. Pastor Adam, why, why should I want to get well? Why should I want things to be better? Here's what I know. Is that the pain that you're going through because of this problem, because of the issue that you're facing in your life, God has a desire to turn that pain into power. There is nothing more powerful than when someone that we know that is going through a difficult time in, our, in their life, than for them to turn it around and to all of a sudden change everything. What happened? Well, I saw that they started going to this new church that's meeting in the high school. You know what? Maybe I should go and check out that church. If that's the way they used to be and that's the way they are now, Maybe I should see what's going on over there. God has a desire to turn your pain into power because pain can be powerful if we want it to. If we want it to. He doesn't want you to stay in a painful state. 38 years this man was sick. No one will help me into the pool, he said. I want you to know this morning that if Jesus were here, Jesus is telling us, stop giving me your excuses. I don't want to hear your excuse. I want to see your faith. I don't want to hear your excuse. I want to see your faith. That's exactly what he's saying to this man. He's saying, stop making the excuse and show me that you believe I can do it. But we have to allow him to do it in us. Verse 8. Jesus told him, pick up, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. I love verse 9. Because verse 9 indicates to me that this man didn't react the way that I would. <laughs> stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And the guy didn't look at Jesus and say, dude, 38 years. Really? 
You want me to stand up and walk? That's exactly what I would have said. But verse, verse 9 says, instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and he began to walk. Now, I actually believe that as soon as Jesus said stand up and walk, that the man felt the healing in his body. So he knew, all of a sudden he knew something was different. He knew that things had changed. So immediately he stands up and he walks. Jesus never heard his excuse. I want you to know this morning, Jesus doesn't hear your excuse. Whatever it is that is keeping you from coming to him as his, and making him the savior of your life, he doesn't hear your excuse. He only wants to make you well. And so, at the conclusion of, your, of our story, we, I noticed three things. The first thing that I noticed is that the man never asked to be well. The, never, the man never asked for healing. He never asked Jesus, Jesus. He never reached out and touched him like, like a lady that was um, in the Bible that reached out to Jesus. We talked about last week. We, like, he never reaches out and touches Jesus. He's only laying there at the pool, showing him that he wants to get well because he's laying by this pool that he knows he will be healed if he just gets inside the pool. But he never asked for it. All this man needed was the simple presence of Jesus, and he was healed. That's why it's so important to be here every Sunday. Because every Sunday, Jesus shows up. Every week, he shows up. And we are in his presence together. And healing can take place in the presence of Jesus. If you need healing in your life, this is where you should be. But more importantly, if you need healing in your life, every day you should practice the presence of Jesus in your life. Every morning, we should get up and open this book. I believe that, that every morning we should, we should sing to Jesus. On, on, on mornings that I really, really get into my walk with Jesus, which I'll confess isn't every day the way that it needs to be. But Adam, if you want to experience healing in your life every day, it needs to be every day. I'm preaching to myself this morning. I need this. Because every day when we open up God's word and we allow him to speak into our lives. And we sing praise to him. And we spend time with him. Healing can take place. You want your marriage to be better? Spend time with Jesus together. And it doesn't have to be together. Just do it alone. Because healing takes place in the presence of God. It's hard. I know it's hard. I know it's hard because it's hard for me. All it requires was the presence of Jesus.
The second thing that I noticed at the, begin, at the end of the story is that this man did nothing to deserve his healing. He did nothing to deserve it. He didn't earn his healing. Jesus didn't look at him and say, all right, well, if you really want to be healed, then look at your neighbor and tell him you believe I can do it. No. He did nothing to earn it. He did nothing to deserve it. I love the song that we sang this morning, and I was planning on mentioning this before I even talked to the team about what they were singing this morning. We sing a song called Reckless Love, and we'll sing it in a minute. One of, it's one of my favorite songs that we sing right now. In fact, when I'm driving in the car, and, and if, I, if I turn on my Spotify and I listen to it, or if it comes on the radio, it's one of those that, like, if it's a hot day in the summertime, I'm going to have to roll those windows up because I start to shout it. I start to yell it. I sing it at the top of my lungs. It's a song called Reckless Love. And some of the lyrics are, again, we're going to sing it in a moment, but the lyrics are, Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, it fights till I'm found, and it leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. You give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. A love that is so great that it could never be earned. A love that is so powerful that I could do nothing to earn it. I don't deserve it. I can't, I can't get it. I cannot reach it on my own. Because it is so great. It is forgiving of the deepest, darkest things that I do. The most wretched things. The most vile things. It forgives me. And it offers me grace that I don't deserve. That's what God's love is. And it's free. You don't have to earn it. Stop trying to earn it and just receive it. So we see that first of all, he doesn't ask for it. The second thing we see is that he doesn't deserve it. He cannot earn it. But finally we see that the healing didn't come the way that the man thought that it was going to come. He thought that he had to get inside the pool. Ladies and gentlemen, I am thankful that I don't have to jump in the pool this morning, that I can just get touched by Jesus, by believing in him, by receiving him in my life. There's nothing that I can do to get it. So all I have to do is receive it and believe it. And it's mine. The Bible says to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you are saved. didn't come the way that he thought it would. Maybe you've been going to a doctor 
for an issue that you have in your body. And maybe you just expected your healing to come from a different place. Maybe you've just felt lost and you just expect that you have to do these things right, that you have to just stop doing whatever it is you're doing and you'll be well. No. All you need is to ask God to do it for you. I realize what this sounds like. It sounds like, Adam, like, like seriously, like, all I have to do is believe? Yeah. You said, all it requires is faith the size of a mustard seed to move a mountain. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not very much faith. But the fact of the matter is, is that that God does what he wants to. So there are things in our lives that we carry, burdens that we carry, that God allows us to endure because he knows that they're making us better. I don't know why, but I know this. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you are saved. Because the fact of the matter is, is that with all the headaches and all of the, the, the mistakes and all of the things that we do, there is only one that will keep you away from God. And that is a three-letter word known as the things that we do that are sinful, the things that we do that God doesn't agree with, those are the things that keep us from the presence of God. And so when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, we were separated from our Father. And because we were separate, separated from our Father, we could not get to Him. We couldn't get to Him by the things that we did, our works, going to church, reading our Bible, none of it would get us to Him. The only thing, the only thing that will get us to God is a loving Savior by the name of Jesus that took on our sin and our shame. And He put it on His back as He carried the cross up to a place called Calvary where the soldiers beat him and made him bloody and put a crown of thorns on his head and mocked him and said, Hail, King of the Jews. You said you were the King of the Jews? Save yourself. But he didn't because his love for you was too great. And as he hung between heaven and earth, he looked up to the Father and he said, I'm done. What I have come to do has been accomplished. He takes his last breath and he dies. And the Roman soldiers take him off of the cross and they take him to this tomb where he lied. And it looked like 
he was defeated. It looked like everything was done. It looked like there was no hope. In fact, it looked a lot like some of you look right now. Rejected. Defeated. But in three days, three days is all it took. And in three days, Jesus woke up and he arose from the dead and he came out and he appeared to some women outside. Women that loved him. And he said, go and tell that I have defeated death. I have done it for you. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that because of the death, because of the resurrection of Jesus, we now can have a relationship with God. And we can be well of the greatest disease known to mankind. It's not cancer. The greatest disease of all time is sin. And there is a cure. His name is Jesus. And that's why this church is here. Because we want the world to know that there's a cure for the greatest disease to ever hit mankind. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Because some of you are laying there, are sitting there in your seat. And you've got a lot of issues. But the number one issue that we all have is sin. And maybe you came in this morning not realizing that you were sick. Not realizing that you needed Savior. We've got people standing at the steps that would love to pray with you. If you've got a problem that you've had in your life, that you've been carrying, that you're saying, you know what, I want to get well. My friend Dave on my right. My friend Brenda on my left. They would they would love nothing more than to pray with you for the healing of that problem. We don't like to make it awkward here. So like we don't, we don't have what, um, what is known as an altar call where people come forward to receive praying. And we allow that to take place as people leave because we want to respect people's time. There will be times that we will do altar calls, but those will be for different times. But I want to take this time right now and talk about the greatest disease of all time. That is sin. Because there is no disease more, there's no disease greater that, that, that God would want healing for than that. But the, pro, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is we can't be healed of it without Jesus. 
And without Jesus, we're far from God. And I want to give you the opportunity to be reunited with God today. To come home. To come where you belong. I don't want to embarrass you. I just simply want you to just acknowledge, say, Adam, it's time for me to receive the healing that you talked about. I want to get well this morning of the sin in my life. The way you let me know that is just by simply raising your hand. Say, I want that healing. I want to be well. Is there anyone that would raise your hand and say, I want that today? Anybody? Anybody at all? Thank you. See that hand. Anybody else? It takes a little bit of courage. A little bit of bravery. But it doesn't take much. No one's looking around. We'll make it as easy as possible for you. I want that healing. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? If you raise your hand this morning, I want to I want to invite you to just say this prayer with me. And after you say this prayer, you were handed a worship guide on your way in. After you say this prayer, one of the most important things for you to do is to fill out the card on the bottom of that. You don't have to give it to anybody. Just put it in the black box on your way out. There's a black box if you're exiting on the right side of the auditorium, it's on your left. If you're exiting on the right uh, on the left side of the auditorium, it's on your right. Just fill out that card. And if you didn't get one, they've got some at Guest Central on your way out. But if you raise your hand saying that you want to receive healing this morning for the greatest disease of all time, just repeat this prayer with me. Say, God, I know I have sinned. I know I have done wrong. And I am tired of living with this disease known as sin. And so God, I ask for you to come into my life, for you to make me clean, for you to make me new, for you to come into my life and save me. I believe that Jesus was your son that died for me and rose again so that I could be reunited with you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet and give God a hand for what he has done today? Come on. Come on. Louder. 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 Let's sing Reckless Love.